I have thought, I have been behind every day this week. On Monday, I thought it was Tuesday. Tuesday, I thought it was Wednesday. I keep thinking today is Friday. And it's been horrible. It's great the other way. It's horrible. It is horrible that way. You basically, it's like a, it's the same thing happens when you wake up in the middle of the night and like you think you your body tells you like ah it's it gosh it's 515 i mean yeah, yeah, i need I to get, get up. up and then you look back at the clock and then it's actually like 118 so i have to tell you this oh. i had the best night just this week while i've been screwed up on the days mm-hmm. there is a god you had one of those moments i went oh. to sleep and i thought i woke up my, my alarm clock hasn't been going off i thought i woke up and i was like oh my gosh i am so late and I actually get up and sit on the edge of my bed, and then I turn on my iPad to look at the time. 12.36. It was like, I mean, the That's paradise opened up. That's oh, paradise. So great. So great. Okay, we got a great uh, podcast for you today. I think we covered some things that you should probably be aware of. Uh, and, uh, and we start with some food for the soul. Uh, you don't want to miss a minute of today's podcast. Uh, brought to you by Goldline. Tons of Americans still don't know it's possible to use your retirement account to acquire precious metals. They could be saving uh, your retirement, honestly, building a protective wall against that inflation and other forms of economic insanity. You know, that could pop up. I'm just saying. It's really a big deal, and it's something Goldline can help you with right now. I've been working with Goldline now for over a decade. I trust them. I was doing business with them before they ever said, hey, we should do something with you on the radio. Uh, I've seen it myself, the way they do business. They do it the right way. I just don't want you to assume that I'm right. I want you to do your own homework and even see, see if gold or silver is right for you. Contact Goldline today. Tell them that I sent you from the podcast. Give them the uh, code MYB, which represents Mind Your Business, the silver bars that they'll give you just for a thank you for calling in. Request the information at their website at goldline.com or call them at 866-GOLDLINE. Find out how they can help you now. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome, Pat Gray from the podcast Pat Gray Unleashed to the program. Hi, Pat. How are you? Oh, mm, perfect. Are you really? Perfect. That yeah. is so great. Isn't it? That is so, so great. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm excited about? Um, you know, there was, uh, what was it, 1897? 1887? What was that TV show that came out, you know, spinoff from Yellow 1883. Yeah, 1883. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now there's 1923. It's another spinoff, mm-hmm. and it was a very good year. Uh, but uh, this is this is the uh, this is the Yellowstone family in uh, nineteen twenty three. Okay, and Harrison Ford <laughs> is in it. Television, Harrison yeah. Ford. It's, a, it's an amazing yeah thing. What that incredible. relationship has changed, though. I have not oh, seen time. Harrison Ford in something good in a really a long, long time. time, and I, I feel like you know he's. His acting hasn't, I don't think, been at the top of its game for multiple decades. <laughs> That's Maybe true. since like 1970s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got some good stuff in the 80s. No, he did. He, Even I, in the I 90s? Like I like him. I, I, you know, 
you know, you're getting what you get. It's like yeah. Kevin Costner. You're getting what what he does. Well, Costner's still at the top of his game no, when it Co- comes to acting. Costner, right? really Costner is fantastic. He's good. That's not. Yeah. Har- I mean, I love Harrison Ford. I have a soft spot for Harrison Ford, but mm-hmm. he's not. He's uh, not at the top of his game. Is what you're game saying. Anymore. Yeah. It seems to be what you're implying. That at is least. what I'm implying. Yeah, and okay. also saying <laughs> <laughs> directly, just, you're just coming right out yeah. saying it, okay. saying it. All right. Huh. Okay. Uh-huh. You don't right. accept uh, the the legend of the crystal skull if oh. you're at the top of your game. Man, was That's that okay. bad? And well, also, that was a holy long cow. Time. And also a fifth one, right? Isn't there another one coming There's, out? I think it's no. six. Isn't I know, it? but I think he's not fifth in or that sixth. One. No, he's in it. Oh no, he's yeah, he's in it. Really? Yeah. Okay, that would be bad. Yeah, he's eighty-five-year-old Indiana Jones or whatever. Helen Mirren is also in this. Mm. So, I mean, those are two really big, big, big stars. Big stars. Look, I'm sure they yeah. wouldn't select. This is a big project. I'm sure they wouldn't select him if he couldn't pull it off. I'm sure he'll do okay. But uh, and Helen Mirren is obviously. I mean, it's amazing that that's happened. I think everybody wants things over. Everybody wants it to is. be part of a Taylor Sheridan production oh it is so I think. good he's because he's really brilliant oh my gosh he's and he's good. just pumping stuff out like crazy the you know the the thing with with beth dutton you know she's an she's english and she didn't even mm. she didn't even talk on the set for a while um out of her american accent because she didn't want she didn't want the crew to go oh man she's not how is she gonna play this and so she just oh played it as an American, even when she was off screen for a while, hmm. because she wanted to see if she could pull it off. And, and everybody, if anybody would ever say when she started speaking with an English accent, people were like, wait, what have you heard her speak? <laughs> no, it's I unbelievable. Either. Oh, it's either. unbelievable. She doesn't sound anything like Beth Dutton. Hmm. And she has this, this, uh, love hate relationship. She's like, I love her. She is fun, but, Boy, is she bad. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she's bad, but <laughs> <laughs> she plays it so well, so well. By the way, it's a the, good cast. The guy who was on Hogan's Heroes, uh, he was Corporal LeBeau. Mm-hmm. He died. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he was 96, 96. And do you know that he was in, he was actually held for, I think, couple of years maybe in a concentration camp yeah I, I that's an incredible story because they always say you know like oh you can't make fun you can't make fun there's no, certain things did. you can't mm-hmm. joke about the guy was in a concentration camp and did uh, a nazi comedy look up uh <laughs> i mean that's that is the that's ultimate amazing. i know look slap up, down uh wilhelm kurt uh, what was his name uh the the hogan the the Colonel, yeah. Colonel Clink. Yeah, I don't know Clemp, his real name. Clemperer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. William Clemperer. Look him up. I think his dad was actually somebody maybe in the on the, on the other side. Maybe. I, mm. I can't remember. But he has connections to the war that are serious connections. Mm. And he was like, yeah, wow. I'm playing that. Mm. I mean, geez. That's great. It mm-hmm. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That, that was only... What, what didn't that come out? 65? So that was only 20 years. That'd be like doing a uh, comedy on, uh, I don't know, the World Trade Center collapse. Can't even imagine it. That's true. I mean, it is. Right. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot of... I no. Mean, I, although I guess that's that's why Pete Davidson is in all of our lives. Yeah, I guess. It, it, you know, he, I guess. His dad died in the World Trade Center attacks, and then he started joking about 9-11, mm. uh, which is kind of how he became famous. 
which is again an interesting way yeah. to become famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will say that they, that's a, that used to be central to to pop comedy. culture and comedy, oh, yeah. especially like the, you made fun of these things. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, you can't the, do that the, the dictator, right, was in the middle of all of it. Right. Oh, the dictator is. Uh, you know who the first celebrity, if you can call it that, uh, that took on Hitler was Captain America. Mm. First, first thing mm. in America that took it on because the Germans controlled a lot of Hollywood. Um, and, uh, and because it just like China today, they were big movie going people. And if you couldn't, mm. if you couldn't put distribution into Germans, you know, what did you have? So nobody wanted to take them on. Uh, then the three stooges were second and Charlie Chaplin, the dictator was third, but those were all brave movies at the time. Yeah. Still, The Dictator is still one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. He is so good in it. I mean, it really is a, something that used to be embraced, and I feel like now pretty much isn't. Like, it's just you're not, you. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't say those things. I mean, we can't even that say the most. That now. I mean, what was the uh, the comment, the Candace Cameron Bure scandal that's currently going on? The what? Mm-hmm. Candace, Candace Cameron, Cameron Bure. Bure. She left the Hallmark Network, and she went to... Is it called the American family thing the, or whatever? Yeah. Greater American family. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Because aren't they cannibalizing the Hallmark? I think she was saying well, basically she, it was a little too woke over at Hallmark. And, yeah. You know, and so she left. Big and Christian. she's just getting pounded for it. Yeah, Good. Because someone asked her, like, well, you know, are you guys going to have same-sex relationships in your Hallmark movie? Or your, I mean, they're, they're so branded. Yeah, I know. Your cheesy Christmas movies that you're going to make? And her response was like, look, we're going to be focusing on traditional families. Like, so she didn't even rule it out. Like, she just yeah. said, like, we're, our focus is going to be traditional uh, Oh, I want to make a movie for them. Uh, let's make a Christmas movie for them. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> it would be great. Oh, yeah. It would be really I'm an expert at those movies. I know Pat is. Oh, well. I know. And I, know I am, are. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I we mean, watch them all. Mm-hmm. I said I had such a bad day that I found myself turning into my parents. I came into the house. A TV was on. It was on the Hallmark Channel. And I sat there and I watched it. Yeah. And I watched the whole damn thing. And my wife came home and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, these two should be together. But he's with the wrong person. They're too focused on business. (laughs) That's right. And he came from New York because there was a funeral in town. And then he stayed. He was trying to help the family business get back on its feet. (laughs) And his high school sweetheart was there. And he can't decide whether to go back to New York or do I stay now. And surprisingly, he stayed. And if it wasn't for that town manager, everything would be fine. <laughs> I love all of those. No, I do, too. Yeah. But I you mean, know, you, Jake, saying that you're going to focus on traditional uh, family structure is why everyone's lighting her up and saying she's a terrible human being. Now, I don't know of anyone who's going to, like, uh, out magazine and saying, why aren't you guys focusing more on straights? You know, I, I, there's no one right. who does that. No, right. You know, you, if you it's a niche, right? Every, there's niche programming. There's nine zillion channels. Can we have some that tell different niche. stories? It's not niche. It's not niche. But families. No, families. <laughs> that is, that's the niche. It is now. Right. Family. That's I what mean, I'm saying. Every like, show, sh- you would think that 80% of the population was gay yes, or, that is your- you know, identifying <laughs> as, a, as a deer or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yep. And you're like, wait. 
I don't, this doesn't reflect, wait, what? Right. But like, you should be able to, like, black entertainment television, no one's like, why aren't you guys talking about the white issues of the day? <laughs> right. No one, no one says that to right. them because we all right. understand. No one, you know, goes to, I mean, people go to ESPN all the time and say, hey, talk more about sports. But no one would say, hey, why aren't you talking about tax policy more? Like, <laughs> they, they cover sports. Right, like mm, it's it's uh, ABC Disney, so they're supposed they, to cover. They're sports. probably saying that. Right, right they're no. probably saying that. But I mean, you should be able to have. You should. She wants to have a creative venture. Yes. Based on things she thinks are interesting and important, but you can't now. You can't. Nope, that's not you allowed. Can't. If you don't want to do uh, movies that are gay centered, then you're just a terrible bigot and a horrible person. So hmm. that's what they're. You know, they're going to bash her the rest of her career now. So she doesn't seem to care. I mean, we we really are at a point to where I heard somebody saying, you know, it's just these bigots that are. And I I just laughed. I'm like, that's all you got. No impact. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. They've just destroyed it, which, as we said before, that's a problem for real racism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. You're calling you're calling everything Mm -hmm. racism when you're like, no, this I'm telling you, this guy is really racist. Uh, We should not be around this guy. Who's going to listen? Who's going to listen? No, it does. You you become immune. And and I know I know this because someone we've been doing this national radio show for now, I don't know, a thousand years or so. (laughs) And at the beginning, I remember like when people would say terrible things about you or they'd say you're a Nazi or a racist or all oh, these things. Be it, it'd be like, thing. oh, what are you talking about? We, we, there's no evidence of this. And we go, but we try to disprove it. Like now, I mean, they say it 500 times a day. And I don't even, it doesn't even, I don't even wake up for it. No. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing. They say it all the time. None of it means anything. It never has any impact. Well, you see, have, you, there has to be a part of you, the individual that gets over it and doesn't care about it. And when you're there... Life is is much is much better. Yeah, you know? until they introduce ESG and then they can right. institutionally crush you uh, well, for sure. their lives. <laughs> sure. Uh, by the way, uh, our thoughts and prayers, and yes, that's meaningful. Uh, go out to Jay Leno and oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. his wife. It, mm-hmm. Apparently, one of his cars exploded, um, mm. which they tell me cars can do. I, who knew? It's pretty rare, though. Yeah, you don't normally have cars explode, but you don't. You know also usually have like 200 really old you know like throw yeah. another log on the fire on the stanley <laughs> steamer you know yes. I mean, you know a lot can go wrong with those things true um but and he, he really works on them himself like he's oh yeah in no, the garage the guy. he gave us a tour of his garage yeah. years ago now nice guy super like the nicest guy who like i just remember him with your son rafe when he, you know, the Bugatti, <laughs> yes, the Bugatti, the, the, the Bugatti story, <laughs> Jay Leno garage, mm. Bugatti story with Rafe. Yes. Oh my gosh, it was my life flashed in front of my eyes. Yeah, uh, he, but he is a super, super nice guy, and and you know, like this was his passion. He's turned it into now a whole thing, right? These, the shows that he does about his so, garage. What's so weird is Jay Leno's garage on CNBC. Never seen. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No, I've never seen it. I haven't it. either. Really? I've seen all, I've seen the video. I watch his videos. Oh, mm-hmm. online. You, you just know, never online. watch it on CNBC. Yeah, but I think the show is kind of different, isn't it? Don't they? Isn't it more produced? And I just like him standing around the car going, this is what this is. And you're like, wow, <laughs> that's the most beautiful, spectacular defibrillator I have ever seen. And I don't even know what a defibrillator is. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but he has a lot of them. He's got a lot of them. Got He's got them. a lot of them. And we wish him a speedy recovery. He is 
a remarkable man and not that we are friends. He has treated me as a friend uh, multiple times. And um, back in the day, I used to appreciate that. Now I don't really. You don't like me? Hmm. <laughs> what's on? What's uh, what's on the Hallmark chat? <laughs> this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. Amy Nelson was on the uh, special last night. You can get it at YouTube, also at Blaze TV. It's really important that you watch it. Um, if you have Blaze TV, you get the whole thing. Um, YouTube does not have the last section, which is the question and answer from the audience. And they were really good, good questions. Uh, we have a transcript of all of it because it has answers in it from the attorneys and Mike Lee and everybody else. Um, and you can get that transcript. Just sign up for my free email newsletter. Uh, gets you all of the show prep, which today I got, I'm getting to about six of those stories out of about 65. Gives you everything you need. It's better than the morning newspaper any place. Um, you can get it now. It comes out every morning. The morning email from me. It is my show prep. And in tomorrow's, you will also get the transcript of that last hour. So you have all the facts in their exact words. Um, Amy Nelson is uh, somebody... Uh, who has experienced the collusion between big government and big business pretty much like no one else that I know. Amazon uh, made claims that her husband did something illegal, although they were never told what what that charge was supposed to be. Um, they met with the Department of Justice over and over and over again and tried to convince the Department of Justice to charge him with a crime, they never did. Yet, the Justice Department came in and took every penny they had. Took their bank accounts, uh, went as far as, I think, taking his father or his father-in-law's bank account, took all of her bank accounts that were just in her name. The family was left penniless. They decided to fight. It's not over yet. Believe it or not, this began uh, while COVID was happening um, and it could happen to anyone. So, you know, these the, all these victims, they're not necessarily, you know, uh, MAGA people or even Republicans. Amy, who I find delightful, uh, was a bundler for Barack Obama. So there wasn't a political reason. There was a reason and the reason is Amazon was trying to avoid a hundred million dollar uh, judgment or penalty against them on something else. So they cooked the books and tried to make at least that's what it appears to be that they cooked the books and tried to make Amy's husband the scapegoat. Why spend a hundred million when you could destroy this one guy for maybe ten and you save ninety million dollars? Amy Nelson, do I have the story kind of accurate in a summary, Amy? You really do. It's pretty remarkable, Glenn, because it, it's a long story and can be complicated. So I, I so appreciate um, you coming on the uh, program, and I appreciate the fact that you and your husband, with four children, you had to sell anything that you were left with. You, you had to sell the house because you couldn't make the mortgage payments. You didn't even know how you were going to feed your family, uh, but you moved in with relatives, right? 
We did. I mean, we, we early on, look, I think, you know, when my husband was accused of a crime, this was, it was totally shocking to us. We had no idea where this was coming from. And we also, you know, I'm a lawyer, but I had been a civil lawyer. I didn't really know a lot about criminal law. And so we just were in this position where we were trying to learn as we went. Um, and we were just making decision after decision to try to stay alive and be able to fight. I didn't even know civil forfeiture was a thing in America, to be honest. Um, I didn't know that. Maybe you shouldn't have been bundling for Obama because we (laughs) talked about it on my show. (laughs) Maybe I should have been listening to you. Maybe. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) I know it is. It is like, you know, it is like it's definitely I think this is really Awakening. For my own politics and hard. Yeah, it's been yeah. an awakening. And it's and for me, really, I look at it and kind of the incentive. Like, why would these prosecutors help Amazon? And I think the answer isn't that complicated. I think most prosecutors leave leave the federal um, leave the Department of Justice and they go work in private practice. And who's gonna hire them? Me or Amazon? Amazon is. Right. So, you know, I think like the revolving door in Washington is really what I've been thinking a lot about. I, I have not. I, I didn't know the numbers. The numbers you threw out last night on the special were pretty staggering about the number of FBI prosecutors uh, and DOJ officials that are being hired by Amazon. Why would they need all of those people? But I think you know, I re- because yeah. of your experience, we know why they are. I think part of it is, I mean, I think, you know, I think they want to have a close relationship to the Department of Justice because the intelligence community is Amazon Web Services' biggest client, right? So the more of a relationship they have, you know, the more likely they're to continue making a profit from selling products to the government. But I also think, you know, when I, and this is just my opinion, but if you have a Department of Justice that is focused on antitrust and thinking about breaking Amazon up, antitrust falls within the Department of Justice, so if you're like, no, no, we're your friends, mm. you like us, we're your colleagues, mm-hmm. that's a better look than having the Department of Justice come at you for antitrust. Right. Um, so did you get your money back yet? We did, actually. So we got our money back in February of 2022. So just as the government held our money for 20 months. So for 20 months, Jeez. we had to figure and out. I, hang on just a second. Closed your bank accounts closed your credit card so you couldn't use your credit cards um took your uh money out of your accounts i mean it was all of it you had no way to buy anything correct I mean, we didn't other than the fact that we were both still working so after that you know they took everything at a certain date and then we kept working i will say both carl and i lost work because of this because of the very sensational public allegations sure it's hard for me right because i'm not accused of anything right um and it's not fair that it impacted my husband either but that did you was lose friends we did and that was really hard too i mean I remember once I accidentally got a text from a woman talking about me that wasn't meant for me. And it was someone I thought was a business colleague and a friend. But, you know, I did lose friends and Carl lost friends, but we also figured out who our friends were. Yeah. There's nothing good about going through something like this, but we have been surrounded by so much love and, you know, we have faith. And so that's really helped get us through this. So you said that you've seen the effects and not just in your story, But take us down the road of this collusion between the government and Amazon. Yeah. So, you know, I 
in, in my own kind of deep search for like, how the hell did this happen? Yeah. I, I was figuring out, you know, kind of looking into the relationship between Amazon and the department of justice. And I was the one, like, I just figured out by going on LinkedIn, how many people they were hiring from the department of justice. But then I was started looking around on the department of justice website and was able to piece together that over a two year period, Amazon had referred over 36 criminal investigations to the Department of Justice. And I thought, is that normal? And I, I went around and looked, and with Walmart, you know, one of the other largest companies in America, it was two. Wow. And, I, and that's just stunning to me. Wow. Um, and they also have, I remember in 2008, um, I had a call from a guy who was in Amazon um, and he was he was overseeing some of their their um, uh, server sites. And if I'm not mistaken, he had something to do with security. And he said he called me up off the air and he said, Glenn, uh, whatever our federal government is doing with Amazon, this is not going to work out well. And I said, what are, you, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And he said, there's a 10-foot trench just outside of our fences uh, that's 10 feet down, goes all the way around our fences of our servers. They're putting in all kinds of monitoring to make sure that nobody penetrates that. He said, we're starting to partner with the government on information. This can't be good. I mean, I don't see how you can't think that they are partnering at this point, right? I mean, you have... you know the FBI and the CIA and the NSA, they hire Amazon web services to hold the government's secrets in their data warehouses. And it just seems like something the government should be doing on their own, not relying on a private company, particularly one that, you know, is owned by a a billionaire who owns media companies. Yeah. You know, like it's weird. Yeah. And isn't the NSA former NSA director, on their board or yes yes the former head of the national security agency is on the corporate board of amazon.com as is a lawyer named jamie gorelick who works for a private law firm but who previously was the deputy attorney general for the united states and she mentored merrick garland it's all just too close for comfort for me yeah personally I mean, honestly, and I don't mean to, I'm not joking about this. I mean this sincerely. Liberals were right about one thing and conservatives were wrong. Um, You should worry about these giant corporations. I always thought Mm -hmm. that was crazy because who would want to say, uh, you know, who's out there building a business? I want the government more involved in my business. Um, I never thought that would happen. But, you know, the, the liberals were absolutely right. I just don't know why they don't see it now. It is. It is something I think about all the time, Glenn, in that, you know, you made a good point on your show the other night talking about um, how um, about putting someone in prison. So you ban in prison for, for defying Congress when no one's done that in 60 years. Yeah. And I see on the progressive side, people being gleeful about it. But when, but what I want to say to progressive is progressives is, you know, this can set a precedent. And so when it's a Republican in charge, they can do the same thing and you won't be very gleeful about it. Yeah, we shouldn't look at our constitutional rights as partisan things. We should hold them dear for all of us, regardless of our politics. Um, and, I, and I think we've lost that. Yeah. I, I don't know how and I don't know why. Um, I do. You should listen to me some more. Um, so, <laughs> I, will, I have been. I have been. I'm going to say it now. <laughs> so, uh, so, Amy, what is the biggest thing you learned 
out of this that you should you feel you should pass on to other people? What should they know? I mean, the thing I want to pass on to other people is that, you know, if you are accused of something that you didn't do, particularly by people who seem to have more power and more money, a lot of people will tell you to be quiet. But I think that's wrong. I think the only way to hold power accountable is to speak out. And I think you're safer when you do speak out, too. And so I would encourage people, if, if they are being deprived of their rights, if they are being accused of something they didn't do, to, to try to talk about it, to try to get people to listen. Because that's the only way, I think, to protect yourself and to drive change and to make sure it can't happen to other people. Because if Amazon can do this, it's a playbook for every corporation in America. Oh, yeah. And that is, and that is terrifying. Amy, um, are you con- are, were you concerned at all about retaliation for being on the show or s- continuing to speak out on this? <laughs> you know, I, I am, but I also will say, Glenn, that you know, Jeff Bezos is out there publicly saying he hires like Gavin DeBecker, the former, I think, in, um, oh, yeah. spook really, you know, for his personal security. Like, hang, on, hang on, hang on. I've had Gavin DeBecker as my, <laughs> as my personal security for a while. They're not anymore, but go. yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, it's, it's terrifying, but I do feel safer speaking out publicly. You know, just, I actually found out last night because I use social media a lot. And Andy Jassy, who's the CEO of Amazon, we have a number of friends in common. I mean, I personally know Amazon's general counsel, David Spolsky, which has made all of this you know, more painful for me. However, I did find out last night that Andy Jassy blocked me on Facebook. I'm just this mom in Ohio and the CEO of Amazon, a trillion dollar company, <laughs> personally blocking me on Facebook. That's fantastic. Amy, thank you so much. You go back to court, I think, in January, right? Or is it? So... Carl's trial, my husband's civil trial yeah. um, with Amazon is in May. May, so okay. Very much looking forward to, to oh, getting I'm, this over with. I bet. And we can't wait to talk to you and uh, celebrate with you when you win. Thank you so much, Thank Amy. Thank you so much. God bless. Right, thanks. Uh, Amy Nelson, she, you find her as one of just one of the four that are speaking out. Another guy who was really the star last night um, got a standing ovation. Uh, when he started talking, it was amazing. A dad who lost his two sons uh, because his wife said, no, this son is actually a daughter. And the court sided with him. And now they're in California. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We had a special last night. Um, and it was about the um, targets of tyranny. And there's a lot of them now, you know, up to 84 year olds that are being arrested and, and manhandled by the FBI in an overnight raid because they were praying in front of an abortion clinic. This is happening everywhere. You know that the FBI has targeted parents who are speaking up in front of their school board. Well, have you thought of what happens if my kids are taught at home things that they disagree with in school? What happens if my kids start to buy into this crap and I'm not supportive of it? Could I leave? Could I lose my kids? This was one of the subjects last night. Um, we had four different people, the couples, usually this, this, this guy is a father of two. His name is Jeff Younger, and he lost custody of his twins because 
he would not transition his son. And he had pretty compelling evidence that his son didn't want anything to do with it. He was so incredible standing up for his son. He's working three jobs now just to be able to pay the bills and all the legal bills. His son is in California. His ex-wife moved uh, him there. Uh, And that way, you know, the state of California is protecting. Can't bring the son out if he wants to transition. He says he doesn't. Jeff Younger is joining us now. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Um, I'm... (laughs) I'm better than you are, I think. Well, no, I don't think so. You stood up uh, on the special last night and uh, you said, I said, you know, how are you doing this? And you're like, I I don't care. I'm doing whatever I can. I'm working three jobs because I'm trying to save my children. You have been um, a juggernaut in in standing up and it has got to have cost you friends and and an untold amount of money. Jobs, clients, um, you know, uh, political relationships, you name it. So, but you know, it's your son. I mean, this is a thing. It's, this is not, I have a big thing, Glenn. I don't like to make a virtue out of necessity. You know, this is my son and this is my duty to my son. And it's what any father would owe their son. Any father owes their son what I'm doing. So give me the highlights again for anybody who didn't see the special. We, we did a produced you know, package with video of your son and everything else. It was amazing. Where your son was how old? Three, four? When he she started trying to transition him at two while we were still married. Two. Um, at, at three, he was telling me that his mother was teaching him that he was actually a girl. And if you go on YouTube and just search for mommy says I'm a girl, you'll find that video. It's on, you know, hundreds and hundreds of channels. Um, I, it, that began, a, you know, obviously a whole bunch of litigation. Um, the psychologists in, that the courts have appointed have systematically lied to the courts. Uh, for example, during the divorce, the psychologist told the courts that she was not tampering with my son's gender identity and was not trying to transition him to a girl and said that I had made a false accusation against her and they gave me less than standard possession because of that. They've just systematically lied and the courts have tried every which way to transition my son. And I think what's going on is my son doesn't present as a girl with anyone except his mother with me and everyone else. He's just a normal boy. And and that's true and at school, think, right? He's, he's yeah. told his teachers, he's told the courts, I don't want to be a girl. I'm a boy. Yeah. He, he told the court appointed counselor four times and she didn't react to him. And when he recorded himself on his Apple watch, telling her that he doesn't want to be a boy and is embarrassed to wear dresses to school, she actually threw him out of her office and initiated a CPS investigation against me. The eighth in the CPS investigation, these people have, you know, have, have sent my absolute way. Absolute power. Yeah, absolute power. And, uh, you know, all that costs money. It all costs time. It costs a lot of stress. It puts my children through all kinds of stress. And the courts just don't care. I think the less calculation is that if you can get a boy who doesn't present consistently, like he only presents as a girl with his mom, if you can get that boy, you can get any boy. And I think that's why the left has coalesced around this case as the spearhead case. Yeah, I know that, you know, when this first started, we talked about it uh, on the show because you're from Texas and you'd mm-hmm. think any, you know, you would think Texas would be pretty strong on this, but it's not. And no. you never know when it comes to cases of divorce, 
But I, I will tell you the video that we showed last night uh, and your story, it is very compelling. Very, very compelling. Uh, your, your, your other son doesn't address your son as a, as a girl, won't use the girl's name, right? Yeah. You know, he asked me at one point, um, we had actually been out hunting rabbits and we, you know, we were just piled into the shower. So we cleaned up and go eat, eat supper. And uh, he just pointed down at James's private parts and said, why do they keep calling him a girl? And at that time, I was actually enjoined by the courts from telling either one of them that James was a boy or a girl. So uh, I said, well, I read you the, from the book of Genesis to the creation of man and woman every night before you go to bed. So what do you think? He said, well, that's a boy. Hmm. So Jude's problem is that he knows he's being told to lie about his brother. And I think it's really harmed his moral development and his moral education oh, because he he's asked me time and time again, you know, I'm not supposed to violate the Ten Commandments, but they're telling me to lie. So when is it okay to violate God's law? He's actually asked me that. So what happens um, in California now? You, you because you're not allowed any time, right, with kids. Yeah, I'm not allowed any time. In order to visit my children, I have to travel to California to an undisclosed location, and then I have to pay for visitation in California. So it's going to cost thousands of dollars to see my sons for just an hour. Um, to write them a letter, I have to send that letter to the amicus attorney that's appointed in the case, and he will forward my letter on, and it's going to cost me about $100 per letter that I send to my son. So their, their, their goal here is to terminate my parental rights without terminating them. In Texas, only a jury can terminate parental rights. And what they want is to take away all my rights, but keep me paying child support and not terminate my rights. Cause if this went in front of a jury, they would lose. So this is what the judge has basically done. She's, she's obviously talked to judges in California and arranged to move this case over there. Now, California has a bill called Senate bill 701, and the four days after that bill passed, my judge, Mary Brown in the 301st District Court in Dallas County, allowed my ex to move to California after that bill passed. And that bill requires California to take emergency jurisdiction over my son. They will never return him to Texas. They will not even obey subpoenas from Texas courts and give any information about James. So I'm going to have to go into federal court and challenge that on the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution. And we'll probably wind up at the Supreme Court over that. Jeez. This is what it takes to be a father today in these family courts. This is, uh, I mean, this should chill people to the bone. Because if it can happen to you, it can happen to any of us. This is just, this is setting the groundwork and the precedent for, yeah, it can be done. Absolutely. James is the spearhead case. And the fact that he only presents as a girl with his mom, like it's very limited. It's very clear that he's being coerced, but they've, they've reasoned that if they can get this boy, they can get any kid they want. So, uh, so what do you, um, what advice do you have Jeff for other parents? Do not voluntarily waive your rights in court. Always assert your rights. Don't let the courts take away your ability to participate in the political process. That's the first thing they always try to do. They'll try to get you to waive your rights to petition the government for redress of grievances, to waive your rights to speak to the legislature and try to get laws passed, and to waive your rights to cooperate with your fellow citizens to change the laws and, and the social customs. 
So you have to assert those rights and you're going to pay a price for it. So I would suggest that people start learning, and particularly on our side, we have to really think about this. You have to be cancel proof. <laughs> if you're if you're on with one of us, you're going to have to be cancel proof. How's that? How do so you do I that? Multi- I have multiple streams of income, and if one of them gets canceled, I just go pick up another. You know, it's it's my <laughs> my father was the dumbest person I knew when I was twenty, and by the time I was thirty, I couldn't believe how smart he got. Yeah, I know that happens. My my father told me this when I was a young man. He said, "Listen, if you run if you're running your own business, even if it's a small business, and you have a hundred customers and you lose one." You just go get another one. But if you're if you're a, a, an employee, you have one customer, and if you lose that customer, you have no income. So you need to make yourself with multiple streams of income so that you're cancel-proof. People can't get rid of you. And that way you're free to speak up, and you're not afraid. It's something we don't talk enough about on our side, I think. That's one of the reasons that I can speak up. Well, I, I have done this. You, I've made myself cancel proof. But you can't speak up because you actually you're violating a court order just being on the program today. And, of course, mm-hmm. what you did uh, on TV yeah. with me last night, yeah. you could go to jail for this conversation. But you're actually kind well, of hoping that that's the case, aren't you? Yes, I am. I mean, I've said a lot of times, like, there's a lot of things worse than going to jail. Going to hell is one of them. And I, I, I want to go to jail because I want to challenge the constitutionality of these illegal gag orders. And by creating a precedent in the Fifth District Court, they won't be able to do that in Dallas County anymore to anyone. I could end it for everyone if they will only send me to jail. That's why they won't send me to jail. So, I keep telling them to send me to jail, but they won't do it. Uh, so, But they did issue a gag order, and it, mm-hmm. it was pretty significant, right? You're, I mean, who can you talk to or who did they bar you from talking to? Everyone. I'm, I'm barred from doing any newspaper interviews, video interviews, podcast interviews, radio interviews. I'm barred permanent lifetime ban from writing any newspaper article, writing a blog post, writing a social media post, authoring a podcast, doing any kind of video work. I can't do that myself. I'm banned from talking about political topics. Here they are cisgender, transgender, gender expansiveness, or whether my sons are boys or girls. I can't talk about any of those topics. And that was specifically tailored to prevent me from going to Austin, Texas, and and speaking to, to the legislature. I was an invited speaker by the Senate and by the House. And they did not want me to go and speak there on behalf of a law to make this child abuse in Texas. And so that ban- that that um, gag order was specifically designed to silence my political speech and talking to my legislators, and I just refused to follow it. So you spoke there. I spoke there, yeah, multiple times. I'll be down there again this session. I'm getting, <clears throat> I'm actually That's getting amazing. an apartment in Austin, so I can be there full time. It's amazing that a judge would issue something that she knows mm-hmm. has no teeth, no teeth. Otherwise, yeah, she would be right. enforcing it. Uh, boy, right. if if um, if you don't get the lesson, your local judges, we should probably learn who those guys are before the vote. Yeah. I mean, this is really important. This is really important. And I'll tell you some of the challenges here. One is that judges usually won't tell you what their judicial philosophy is during campaigns. Mm-hmm. And they hide behind the judicial canon saying they can't talk about particular cases. Well, we're not asking about political particular cases. We're asking about political, you know, philosophy of law and your philosophy towards litigants. They won't answer those questions. That's number one. Number two, I don't think a lot of people know that you know 
we, this is America. We don't have secret courts. Correct. Anybody can go watch a trial. And, and once a quarter, I always watch a federal criminal trial, a state criminal trial. I visit family court all the time myself, but also go to my local civil courts and look at one civil trial. And I do that every quarter just to see if my judges are administering justice Jeez. to my citizens properly. Uh, boy, I tell you, they picked on the wrong guy. Uh, Jeff, uh, thank you so much. We will continue to follow your uh, story. Uh, you get any blowback at all for being on the program or what you did, please let us know immediately and we'll have you on again to talk about it. Thank you Thank so you, much. Glenn. I really appreciate all your hard work for freedom. Thank, Thank you. God bless. Jeff Younger. Um, I want you to, by the way, you can find him. Uh, his website is facebook.com slash help save James. Na, 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 na.